we're going to meet the panel, and uh, they'll be the panel for this afternoon's uh, interaction. Um, so, Toby, tell us a bit about uh, your background and your church and your family. Just, just very briefly, give us an intro to who you are. And just briefly? Well, we've got a little bit of time, so give us the brief one now, and we'll unpack it later. Okay. Um, married. Liz is sitting over there. We've got two uh, beautiful little daughters, one on the way, uh, in the shoot, uh, as they say, right? And uh, we started Vine Church um, officially just over a year ago, but kind of we're praying, planning, meeting before that, yeah. Studied at Moore College, we're an Anglican new fellowship. Do you, do you want me to talk more? I can yeah, yeah, talk lots more. It's do you good. want me to tell, you, tell people how we started? Do that. All right, well, um, the story I usually give people is that uh, when I was 19, we were sur- me and my brother were surfing overseas. And uh, my dad was quite anxious about our safety. He said, Toby, why do you risk your life doing something that's ultimately meaningless when you could risk your life telling people about Jesus? And it kind of hit me at that point because I was this young guy looking for adventure. And I said, yeah, why don't I risk my life telling people about Jesus? So I started devouring missionary biographies. Had this great dream to go to somewhere where I would literally risk my life. Pakistan, Iraq, Afghanistan, somewhere like that to tell people about Jesus, uh, proposed to my wife, said, you're, you, you should only marry me if you're willing to go to a place like that. She's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and then uh, It was worth it. Eh? <laughs> it was worth it. Well, um, kind of a year later, I realized there's no way she was going to go to Afghanistan. <laughs> and, uh, and then it took me a lot longer to realize I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be effective in a kind of crossing uh, into a third country kind of culture, different language, different, you know. And so then we started thinking about, well, um, where, where does, what areas need missionary sent to? Does Sydney need missionary sent to? And it was like, yes, definitely. And so we looked at Sydney, a map of Sydney, had a friend do a demographic hotspot analysis of Sydney, uh, where 18 to 35-year-olds live in Sydney, and was surprised to see that the area between the city and Mascot had the largest proportion of 18 to 35-year-olds living anywhere in Sydney, over 45% of the population in that area. And we felt particularly uh, a burden to reach them because though some of the uni groups were effective at reaching kind of 18 to 22-year-olds, if they're not going to uni and then after uni, that we're just hemorrhaging, our churches are losing that age group, and so we felt a burden to reach them. We went where they live to an area uh, of Sydney which is very secular. They call it, well, we call it a nun zone because more people tick no religion than I any there are religion. lots of nuns there. No, not many nuns. But um, that's why we went to Surrey Hills, kind of started planning and praying in 2010, started meeting weekly in 2011, uh, kicked off in August 2011 and had our first birthday August this year. Brilliant. Mate, we're going to unpack a lot of that, but yeah. you're quite a number of years down the track, Yeah, uh, which is which is really good to know. Um, we're going to meet the rest of the panellists who are at various stages. So, um, Aaron, do you want to jump in at that point and tell us uh, where you're up to? Sure. Uh, just to clarify, uh, I'm the church planner at Darabin Presbyterian Church. I kind of like Darabin City Church as a name, but... Um, <laughs> That's not the church. Uh, is the, is there I'm a Darabin C- City Church? There was a, uh, our original, pro- yeah, yeah. And the backstory to that name might be that uh, we were thinking of calling our church Darabin City Presbyterian. So maybe there's been some wires crossed, Darabin City Church. Anyway, um, just so you know. Um, yeah, so I've been working for, uh, I'm married to Gabby, 
Uh, she's in Melbourne. She's an occupational therapist. And uh, we uh, live, we've lived in the kind of inner northern suburbs of Melbourne for the last seven years. Uh, if you know Melbourne, we've been in Thornbury for a couple of years, then Fitzroy North, and now uh, moved to Northcote. Is it, is it Melbourne, Surrey Hills? Um, I don't know Surrey Hills, so... Uh, I don't know I mean, Melbourne, it, so I just thought I'd ask the question. Yeah, yeah. Inner northern suburbs, uh, kind of uh, left-leaning, politically uh, environmentalist, uh, fairly highly educated. Um, yeah, that, that's the kind of rough... Sure. Um, young working professionals with a couple of kids, potentially. Uh, if you want to have more kids than that, you're probably moving further out of the city unless you're in a very high-paying job. Um, yeah. So uh, we've been meeting for a couple... Uh, I've been going to Bandura Presbyterian Church, which is in the far northeastern suburbs for the last six years, working with AFES in uni student ministry at the uh, Bandura campus of La Trobe University for that time as well. And um, But we've been living in the inner north and became aware that, I guess, we were making friends and we had family living in the area. Uh, they weren't going to come out to Bandura. It's a, it's a fair hike out there, and the culture is just very different. And we, over time, we were thinking, what kind of church would we invite our friends to? Yeah, are there any churches in this area? And over time, we thought, actually, maybe God wants us to start that church. Uh, so that probably happened two and a half years ago. We started thinking uh, about church planning in the area, and we've been meeting, uh, kind of building a core team. I've been doing some study to kind of get Presbyterianized, and... Um, Get ready to we'll plant ask you about a Presbyterian that for sure. church. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Is that that's kind of so yeah. we're launching Sunday gatherings uh, from the start of February, but we haven't been meeting each week for a couple of years. Brilliant. So you're a couple of years down the track, but you're just about to launch. You're um, having your first birthday, but you had years behind that. Where are you guys up to? And oh, sorry, who who are you, Tim and Boone? Yeah, t- uh, Tim Grant and Belinda Grant. You got our name wrong as well, Mark Hadley. It's Grace Christian Community. You got ours right though, Mark. So, but pretty close. So one well, out of three. Uh, yeah, so we, we started the church at the beginning of the year. Uh, we were studying at Moore College and moved back to Melbourne. We're in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, a place called Box Hill. Uh, it's, uh, it is suburban, but it's very urban. There's lots of high-rise, a large, high-density population. Very international, 43% of residents born overseas, mostly mainland China. Uh, so it's a really cool area. Uh, we started... Lots of really good dumplings. Yeah, dumplings are good. Uh, so we, we started with a team of seven, just kind of meeting at the, in February in a lounge room, working out what we want to be. We grew to about 15, launched in July. Uh, we've now got about 40, 10 months later. So the Lord's been very good to us. Praise God. That's awesome. Um, that's our panel. My name's Stuart Starr. You met me briefly before. Um, I'm planning a church with Matthew Payne, who's here somewhere. Matt, can you give us a wave? Hey, Matt. Um, Matt and I are planning a church in Oran Park uh, in uh, Sydney, southwest. So if you don't know where Oran Park is, uh, Campbelltown, Camden, basically down the, the south, uh, southwest of Sydney. Uh, it's a growth centre, and uh, we're in a town which is going to grow massively that doesn't exist at the moment uh, there, are, there are literally cows in fields around us um, which is actually quite soothing um, to see them there um, but yeah so people are our, our demographic is pretty significantly different to the ones that you guys are talking about so it's almost predominantly young families um, and so uh, we have a, uh, a little core team we've been building up over the course of this year we've got uh, 16 adults and 13 kids there's a couple who are going to join us who are going to bring another two adults and four kids with them. So it's going to be 18 and 17. 
Um, and so that just kind of gives you where, where it's slightly different kind of uh, end of the uh, end, end of the spectrum. Uh, but that's yeah, that's my my background. W what are we doing at, at one level at a, at a conference like this? It's a little bit presumptuous maybe to sit some people up on the stage and, and to talk to you about church planning. I, I think these guys are comfortable in their own skin. Um, but we want to do that uh, under what Dom was talking about just before, which is the sovereignty of God. Yeah. So where there are successes, we want to hear about them um, because they're all attributable to the grace of God. Uh, where there's been hardship, that's part of our actual story. And it's not just writing great newsletters, which is perhaps our temptation to our supporters, uh, about all the awesome things that happen. I, I want to draw out of our time together this afternoon perhaps some of the hard things that have made it tough um, over the last couple of years. Um, and I also want to give you guys the opportunity to ask questions. So as we're going backwards and forwards, uh, I want you to listen. If you've got something that's burning away, we're going to stop at a couple of points and open it up for questions from the floor. So just jot them down. Uh, does that sound okay? So that's, uh, so that's our plan uh, under, God's, under God's grace. Uh, I, I had down here, first of all, uh, Toby, how the heck do you pull off a video like that? And you very helpfully handed it off and said, no, no, some other Super people did Productions.com. Go and uh, rent him out. Yeah, he's good. Is that right? He's yeah. a guy at your church? He, yep, yep. He did it for free, but he'll charge you $800. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good to know. Um, do do you, you guys uh, have graphic design prof you know, professional type people who've helped you out uh, thus far? Uh, yeah, um, uh, a guy who goes to another Presbyterian church in uh, in Melbourne uh, has helped out. Uh, so Richard Wilson, some of you might have met, he uh, planted a church in the sort of far northeastern suburbs of Melbourne. And uh, Wade, uh, this graphic designer, helped Richard out. Uh, he, as I said, he's kind of part of the Prezi Networks. He's a good graphic designer, web designer. So yeah, he's been doing some work for us, our website should be kind of up in the next couple of days and doing business cards and, and it's been good yep had some good photography in the local area to kind of show that we're a part of the community and all that kind of thing which isn't just a, a show like we actually do live in the area but yeah <laughs> yeah that's good how about you guys yeah well, i put out a sh facebook shout out right. anyone a graphic designer want to join the church no one did but uh there's, uh, so that's a successful strategy. Write that down, everyone. Yeah. That's uh, we've got a friend who um, we're involved in a, a campus ministry with. We haven't heard from her for a number of years. She lives in India now. She's a graphic designer, and she got back to me and said, I'd love to do some free stuff for you. So um, she's been doing a whole lot of web stuff, designing cards for card handouts, Christmas services, and stuff like that. And that's been awesome. I think you've got to get someone that can do that or pay someone to do that because it communicates a lot communicates Time, times new roman on black and white yeah that's right <laughs> hey that's cool these days Stu. don't <laughs> don't knock it yeah hipster <laughs> yeah right yeah. a bit of retro style hey uh look it's funny isn't it at, at one level the uh it was really interesting to hear in the video um and this is why it it sort of matters um uh, one of the girls in your video uh toby said she saw the the blue and green sign on the street um it matters but it doesn't matter um, so, uh, yeah, it is, it's important to think about. Um, how high would you put it on your agenda of things that you're concerned about in terms of you're trying to put a, a foot forward in planning a church? Having an identity, is that – where do you rate that? A, a, some sort of visual identity. I mean, in our um, – where we are, um, I think people are used to high quality. Yep. Um, they're professionals. They're, they're, they're used to kind of – yeah. Uh, they've pretty much all got high-speed internet. Their first port of call for connecting with anything is 
a, a website and first impressions. Like, if the first impression isn't quality, they're going to move on pretty quickly, I think. So I think our, our decision was, actually, we need to invest a fair bit in getting decent graphics and decent quality kind of content. Like, just a good website all around, yep. which makes it easy for people to connect with us, to know what we're about. Um, yep. So that's, for yep. us, that yeah. was Yeah, and I think as well, the reality with a church plant is you don't have the same kind of public presence. Like, one of our issues is um, we're renting a hall and... You know, there's a sign that goes up when we arrive at three o'clock in the afternoon and it goes back down when we leave at six. And, you know, unless you happen to drive past, you wouldn't know we're there. So things like a website is just really key for people actually finding out about you existing. So it's pretty important to get that right and yep. make people curious, I think. It also communicates to them that you want them to come if you give them something nice, that you, they're worth you getting something worthwhile for them to yep. come to. So that's important for us. Um, so uh, let, let's be clear. We just we just talked about looking pretty. That obviously isn't everything to do with church planning. We're going to spend some good time working on uh, things that aren't just about uh, being pretty. Um, the workshop's called from uh, conception to uh, execution, reality. Um, talk to us a bit about your um, expectations right at the start. So Tim, can you tell us a little bit about uh, when you first started to think about church planning? Uh, what sort of picture did you have in mind? How did you, how did you arrive there? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know what we had in mind. Uh, it, it, it's different from what has come about. Um, we started with we started with seven people. I think we had eleven people sign up to begin with that we thought we were planning with. It turned out to be seven. Sign up. There was a notice at the cafe well, or something. We or? invited people to come and join the team. Right. Sure. And um, <laughs> yeah, Facebook, yeah, that's right. If you like the page. Um, so that was, uh, so, and those first, uh, five months, the plan was to grow to about 30 in the lounge room and then do a public launch in the middle of the year. So you've got an epic lounge room. It wasn't ours. There was some <laughs> right, okay. wealthier people in the congregation. We uh, had a wonderful house and were very hospitable, allowing us to meet there. It was so just after great. six months, we probably had 15 people. So that was discouraging and we, um... We, we, were th- we were thinking, what are we doing? This is, this what is did silly. you do? We launched anyway. And um, it was only after we got out of the lounge room that we started to see some growth. So all our growth's really been the last four months. Sure. How'd, you, how'd you deal with that discouragement, Tim? Like, how did it Swear affect? at people. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask Belinda uh, in a second. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get really down about it. Yeah. Um, particularly the week by week. Um, ebbs and flows. You one week you got visitors. One week you got a family sick or on holidays or something. So I just ride those waves. I went to an FIC conference, and um, which is who our church is part of at that network, and just chatting to guys who are established church planners, finding out they went through exactly the same thing to begin with, made me realise that uh, we're not completely down the creek. That that's quite normal. But also, um, I got some wise advice. You just can't go week to week. You've got to look at blocks. And that helped us to realise, actually, we have had people join and grow. Yeah, Al Stewart says you don't grow week... Don't concentrate on thinking about growing week to week. Think about year to year. That's how churches grow. That was really helpful for us. Good. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, and I think as well, um, uh, when you're in that kind of stage of um, numbers aren't growing, it makes you think about what is happening and what is God doing. 
Um, And so during that time, we were meeting up with our core team um, every week and uh, we'd have kind of a training time. And one of the things that we'd do in that time is we would practice uh, sharing our story of how we'd come to Christ uh, in a group and we pray for friends and we talk about what opportunities we'd had to uh, speak to friends. And it was funny because even though we were feeling really discouraged about numbers and things like that, the people in the team, you know, they were having conversations with their work colleagues for the first time ever. I still remember yeah, I met up with a girl. Um, I was discipling one of the girls in the group and she was telling me, yeah, I know that um, I know that God can do anything, but it's just so hard to imagine any of my work colleagues ever asking me about Jesus. Uh, and this was on the Wednesday. And on the Thursday night at the meeting, she said, oh, one of my friends asked me, you know, <laughs> asked me about Jesus and then said, oh, I didn't think I should ask because it seemed like a bit of a rude question, but I've been really curious. Praise God and for that. And so, yeah, so I, it was funny in a way. I think there was a lot of discouragement, but um, it just made you think about, well, you know, people are hearing God's word. They're growing. They're changing. Um, and so it just helped you to kind of see the bigger picture of what growth is, I guess, as well. Yeah, Toby, on, on your question and sort of following up, we had a, we had a week uh, in the middle of winter uh, where um, I sat, we went to the school, you know, set everything up. And uh, my wife Carolyn and I and Matt and Mandy and one other couple sat down and we looked around at us and we thought, we've been going for half a year and I'm sitting here with six people. What the heck is going on? I and can beat that one. We'd been going for a year and a bit. <laughs> See and you uh, raise your hands. <laughs> <laughs> it was New Year's Day this year and yeah. we're actually on holidays, but we're, holiday- we ha- we're having a staycation. We're holidaying at home, and uh, we got this call at like ten past four saying, "Toby, you're around because there's there's only like six people here. We need you to come and fill up the numbers." <laughs> We'd been going a year, and there was six of us. It's kind of funny. Isn't yeah, it? I, I ditched the whole program on that and said, uh, "God, apparently you're building your church here. Let's just pray like crazy that you get on with it." Sort of thing. Hey, um, can I can I just ask Blinder on this? Could did you did you notice? Kind of Tim's identity caught up in numbers, and what what are some of the things that you tried? How did you encourage him and call him back to his identity in Christ? Were you? Um, oh, I mean, I think we both struggled with it. I don't think it was, and I, I think one of the pluses of both being people who, um, being in a marriage where both of us were really committed to the church plant, is that oftentimes when Tim was feeling really down, I could help. Um, and when he was feeling, when I was feeling really down, he could help. Although sometimes if we were both down, it was a bit of a struggle. Um, but I guess as well, just um, yeah, I, I, I think that whole idea of just um, you know praying, trusting God, um, just reminding ourselves of because one of the big things that really inspired us when we were thinking about church planting was the character of God. You know, how do you plant a church um, when you don't really know if it's going to work? <laughs> Um, how do you how do you kind of go into something? Um, uh, what kind of motivates you and what inspires you to go? Yeah, th- you know, God can do this. Um, and one of the things was God's character—that God is a saving God, um, that He works in people's lives, that He brings people to Himself. So I think that was something that Tim and I kept reminding ourselves um, and each other: is just this is the character of God. Yes, this is hard. Yes, we don't know if this is going to work, but what we're doing is acting on who we know God to be. Um, and, um, and I think the other thing was just to keep reminding ourselves of the need as well. Um, yeah, to particularly, to, to, you know, walk around Box Hill and go, all these people don't know Jesus. If we're not planning this church, who's going to tell them? Like, I think that was the other, um, big thing that really 
makes it sound like we're really godly <laughs> for that whole time. But we um, weren't. <laughs> I was getting really bad uh, peer envy. All my mates who are um, Anglican clergymen at big, beautiful sandstone buildings with their names out the front, um, big <laughs> salaries, five bedroom houses on the North Shore. Uh, and big congregations to preach to. I, I just, I, I really struggled with that. But what did you? What, what do you do when you're discouraged? What do we do? Um, yeah, I just think. Uh, what? I haven't been that discouraged this year, thankfully. So it's been, it's been, it's really been just that first year where you really, you know, is this gonna sink or swim? And that was the hardest year, I think. I, I mean, I, I, my, yeah, my emotions were up and down every week, but it's always going back to um, my value, my approval is not in whether I get this church off the ground. But at the same time, I think that there is something in that. It, it just, Al Stewart, uh, one of the images he, he, he put, no, it was Justin Moffat actually, he said, this church, Toby, is like a cat that you're trying to throw in a toilet bowl, <laughs> he's just doing anything possible not to cut a goat. I don't know why God in. didn't use that. Hey, that, that, was, that was just a great picture of what our church was. I felt and and kind of inside, I was just doing anything possible not to drown, you know. And uh, I think sometimes God uses even that um, wrong motivation, but to make you just do anything, you know. I don't know. It's been a while since um, I tried. I, I, that, that is, that's great, man. I'm still going to work on the cat and toilet bowl thing. Um, I, uh, I asked these guys some questions beforehand, and Tim said there's a couple of things that he'd learnt this year. And the, the first one he, he, he got on his list to me was um, planting is not glamorous. It's a slog. Um, I'll get to you in a second, mate. Um, Aaron, you haven't started yet. Uh, I don't know if you want to not start now, given what you've just heard. Um, uh, How's your lead-up been, and, and how are you hanging in there, I guess, um, up to now? Um, oh, we've, like, we've been, uh, for the last two years, uh, in a sense, recruiting a core team. Uh, we're in the, I, I guess, I'm not exactly sure about, I, I know a bit more about Tim and Belinda, I don't know about Toby's kind of story, in a sense, but we've been going to Bandura Presbyterian, and, and when uh, I sort of approached them and said, we're looking to plant a church, and uh, and they generously said, uh, you can take some people from here. So obviously that, I'd been working in the university ministry, which had a pretty close partnership with Bandura Prezi. And so the people who've kind of come into the core team are people who, for the most part, myself or my wife have, uh, some of them have became Christians uh, through us kind of sharing the, the gospel with them. And, and many of them we've discipled over the years. So... So they're kind of they kind of trust us and they've been on board, uh, but in a sense uh, the rubber's going to hit the road when we actually launch. And um, I'm kind of I think a lot of people who've uh, planted uh, tell me to expect that. So some people are really quick to jump onto something new, and others take a long time. You know, like how people adapt to change, uh, in a sense. And so some of these guys I suspect who've been with us for a couple of years preparing are probably going to drop off at the first sign of hardship or the second um and then others who've been much slower to embrace the idea of planting a church and we've been having conversations with for a long time once they're in i suspect they're going to be in through the hardships yep so um i don't know i think it's in some ways that's ahead of us uh there's been discouragements for me personally uh in the process of preparing and navigating uh through kind of denominational 
issues and all that kind of thing, uh, but it's a bit different to discouragement of um, kind of numbers fluctuating and, and that kind of thing. Um, for, for there, there may well be some people here who think you're planning through the Prezi system. Is that something that you could just speak briefly about? Because obviously that's an experience that's worth drawing out here. We, we're in a variety of different backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, like, I, uh, when I went through... Um, so I studied at Ridley College initially in Melbourne, and uh, when I was going through college, all the buzz was about church planning, and everyone was reading Driscoll and Keller and Matt Chandler and all that, you know, like, and and so it was kind of hip to to do the church planning thing, and um, and I guess at that point uh, I had no intention of church planning because you're not hip. Is that basically that's the right? Message that pretty getting? much because I'm not hip. Enough, uh, sure. But um, no, I, I just thought a lot of these guys were just loose cannons uh, who didn't really understand what it meant to be involved with leading a church, and they just liked the idea of being the marketer school of you know whichever suburb that they wanted to be in. And um, and so, in a sense, uh, when I I'd been doing uni ministry for a few years, uh, um, and over time realised that um, I guess relationally that's really high turnover. Like every three or four years, you're just saying goodbye to everyone. Um, church planning, I, I get that it's a high turnover, but you hope that there's at least a core of people that you can journey with for a bit longer than three years. And um, and so I guess over time I started understanding myself and my gifting, putting that together and thought maybe church planning was a fit. And um, and then the kind of alarm bells of don't be a young guy who's a loose cannon kicked in. And I started thinking, uh, I think I want to plant with a denomination that provides me kind of accountability and support with other godly men that I trust. Uh, now, I recognize there are kind of like FIEC kind of like provides some of that. But for me, I, yeah, I let, the let's best say, bit. Let's say that we can have this conversation without implying that everyone else has yeah, got that's a right. sucky no, so for, way so of for doing me, it. For me, um, the kind of accountability and support that a denomination offered uh, was important. I thought, yep. and so that was the decision I. Um, so that was the upside. So you said I'm in, and then yeah. what happened? Uh, well, I guess the flip side of accountability and support <laughs> is control and obstacles. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like I mean they're they're there. They're kind of there as um, kind of you know checks and balances. The whole system is built around uh, limiting our sinfulness and foolishness, uh, but can also be used to kind of obstruct uh, or kind of yeah put obstacles in the way of just gospel work. And uh, the, in, in any system, people can play the system in ways that are unhelpful. Yep. Um, it doesn't have to be a denomination. Uh, and, um, and so there's been a bit of that. Um, as I said, um, there hasn't been a lot of church planning in the Presbyterian Church in Victoria uh, for a, a long time. And so in a sense, um, and, and I'm the first person ever who's gone to the theological college saying, I want to get ordained as a church planter. Um, so this is a very new thing for Presbyterians to get their head around, sure. and they, you know, some of but them have struggled to get their head around yeah, that. Presumably, yeah. they used to do it because that's why there's so many churches around the yeah, place. Yeah, every church has a church plan. It's amazing, isn't it? I, yeah. I, I think it's worth saying this. Um, you have to believe that at some point, any denomination you're a part of believed in church planning. Yeah, but you, we just have to acknowledge that that was at some point part of the impetus, part of the foundation. And if we've lost that, that's a shame, but it shouldn't be, shouldn't be the opposite of being a denomination. It, it's actually part of how there are churches all around that have the same little colored badge on the front. Yeah. Uh, I think often, like, and I see this ungodliness in myself, but, you know, like, yeah, I'm all for church planning as long as it's not on my turf, right? <laughs> sure. So, um, and even, like, 
Yeah, so even myself, like I've heard recently, there's three or four other people thinking of planting in the vicinity of where we are, we're planting. And, and I noticed in myself this kind of like, well, we've been, we've been working here for two years to build a team. And, and, and you have to check yourself. So I, I know like some of these guys, yep. uh, you know, I, I kind of rail against some of their kind of territorialness at times, but um, I see some of that ungodliness in my own life. And so I've got to be careful uh, that I kind of stay humble in that. But yeah. So maybe you got any, just, just very quickly, uh, engaging with the denomination from the church planning perspective, just anything that you've learned that you can say, just practically shout out to these guys to go, hey, it'd be smart if you, have you got anything? Uh, be upfront, like so. Just just say what you want to do. Like don't don't try to play any games. So I just kept saying, uh, I just really want to plant a church in the inner north of Melbourne. Everyone I spoke to, this is why we want to do it. This is we've got a team. This is, and I just kept reiterating that. Um, and so everyone who spoke to me heard the same thing, which I so, think was helpful. Yep. Um, uh, stay humble. Uh, has been a. I've tried to kind of remind myself that these guys, I mean, for the Presbyterian Church uh, in Australia, perhaps, and particularly in Victoria, uh, they've had 30 years, 35 years of being on the defensive post-union. And for many of the ministers that I'm having to relate to and build trust with, uh, their whole ministry has been characterized by preaching sound doctrine and having their congregation shrink as liberals have left. And so... They're, they're kind of just a bit cynical about some young guy who wants to come in and has these ideas about growing and planning a church. And um, their stance is a bit defensive. So you have to build trust uh, with them and understand the kind of battles that they've fought and respect them for those battles, uh, that actually we've got a theologically sound denomination that's training people well. Um, so th- those kind of, th- I, I guess those are some, some tips. That's good. Yeah. So, mate, that's, that's a denomination. Um, Tim, who are you with? FIEC. Yeah, we're, we're with the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches, yep. which is uh, an independent denomination. Excellent. <laughs> um, uh, Tim, tell us, how did Geneva intersect for you guys, moving from the idea of a church plant to having something happen? Can you just share a bit of that story? Uh, so just ask that question again. Uh, you didn't just pop out the other end and have a church. You're at Geneva. You're up yeah. the front. How did how did Geneva help you get from hey this is a kind of good idea to hey we're now we're now doing how did they help you yeah, yeah. not as a service organisation? I was um, plan was to be a Baptist pastor. That was my plan, and uh, we we uh, were on a different page theologically than the Baptist College in Melbourne. Perhaps even a different book, but anyway. <laughs> so we. Uh, yeah, but shout out to my buddy Greg McCann, who's a Baptist pastor in Melbourne, doing a great job. Um, uh, in second year college, an older Christian man who knows me very well, who's in ministry, rang me up and said, oh, I think you should plant a church. I'd like to coach you and uh, help you raise some money and give you some money. And um, out of the blue, was on the radar. We were shocked. That's a pretty awesome piece of initiative on his behalf. Yeah, well... Who knows? But yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Um, so uh, uh, we, we we started thinking about it. Uh, Philip Jensen. Oh, don't you keep it going? Sorry. Philip Jensen ran a church planning thing at Moore College, and we went along. and He said, "If you're asking, should I be a church planter? You're not a church planter." So that was it. We we went back and told this person, "Oh, we're not church planters. That's <laughs> that's the end of it." Uh, I'm sure that was what Philip was hoping. <laughs> yeah, but since that conversation. 
we just kind of nagged at us. Yeah. Um, I mean, we never thought about church planting. Why would you start a new church when there's so many struggling churches? Aren't you just adding to the problem? Um, so growing through the what is a church plant and how does a, a new church able to reach new people and do it in new ways, uh, we just slowly warmed and became passionate about it. Tim, quicker than me. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about Yeah, that? I was going to say, do you want to talk about yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, um, It was funny, actually. Oh, I, in fact, I had, a quote, I had a quote here, um, ministry wives, what was it? No rest, no glory, I think that's what <laughs> I wrote down. So tell yeah. us about that. Um, yeah, so it was really interesting. So, um, uh, yeah, so this friend had, um, you know, we'd gotten back to this friend and said, um, I don't, don't think we're suited to church planting. And he then sent him an email. Oh, I've been thinking more about your church plant. You should do this and this. So he was very insistent. And um, so we decided to um, be assessed by Geneva. That seemed like a really wise thing to do. And um, they said yes. And that was really scary for me because... Um, you kind of hoped it went the other way. Well, <laughs> I, it's funny. I, was, I felt, I felt re- really torn because I didn't want to... Tim was starting to get more and more passionate and excited about church planting. And I didn't want to be the one to stop him doing what he wanted to do. I didn't want to be kind of a stumbling block to him. Um, And so I actually, I remember I prayed, um, God, you need to either change Tim's mind about church planting so I'm not stopping him or you need to change my mind about church planting. Um, Because I was really scared. Um, I think it it was, we were going through a pretty rough time with some other stuff that was going on. And I just remember thinking, God, I just don't want to suffer. And I just know that if we church plant, we're going to have to suffer a lot. Mm. Um, and um, I remember we, we went down to Melbourne for the weekend. And um, while we were down there, I just remember thinking, there are so many people here who need Jesus. And, um, and Tim had been telling me for a while that, um, that he was surprised that I didn't want to church plant because that's, uh, church planting is about reaching the lost and that's what I care about. And I think... Yeah, through his uh, wisdom and sharing kind of the vision of church planning with me and just God working in my heart to make me realise that suffering is worth it it's, if it's for the gospel. Um, God just, yeah, he answered my prayer and I was on board and it was really good because I think in the lead up to the church plant, um, when Tim was feeling discouraged and thinking, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this, I was suddenly feeling like, well, actually, I think we should. So, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a bit of an Ecclesiastes about that, I think. That's fantastic. <laughs> that, that, that really is helpful. Yeah. Let's talk about FIC for a minute. Um, we, we went and uh, organized to catch up with the, um, the Baptist Union of Victoria church planning guy, and, and um, we kind of had a bit of a link, and we got along really well. And um, so we were thinking about uh, being a Baptist church plant. Um, and we were chatting with this guy, and... Um, he said to us, uh, Baptist Union, it's, it's very eclectic. There's, there's people that would be on your team. There's people that wouldn't be on your team. There'd be people that, uh, well, they're on your team, but perhaps they're playing a different sport. And, uh, but we all get <laughs> along, and it's great. Uh, and he, he was great. I, I really enjoyed spending time with him. But um, we went along to the FIC con- conference, and I had no history with them, and we just felt like we were home at people who were passionate These about people get us. the gospel and mm. church planning. And they also uh, were really excited about us and what we were doing. Now, had the Baptist Union thrown money at us, <laughs> I might have changed my mind, Aaron. I know that <laughs> got you over the line with the Frezzies. But, um, uh, yes, uh, not that we, perhaps we wouldn't have had a major problem planning with the Baptist Union. Sure. But, um, the support we got from FIOC was really great. And I think it's tricky when you're doing a church plant, trying to work out what is, um, you know, you know you want to do the church plant. What, what is actually going to 
be helpful for the gospel proclamation that you'll be doing. And I think we felt like um, FIC just offered the support um, and a bit of accountability as well that we needed to be able to do do it properly. And um, there's also a sense in which um, the people that we'd be reaching out to, um, mainly non-Christians um, uh, from an Asian background, didn't necessarily need a denominational tag. Um, and I think that was something as well that meant that, you know, it didn't didn't matter so much that we were independent. I think if we were reaching out to a more established, um, you know, established Aussies, maybe the denominational tam- tag Sometimes would be helpful. Sometimes the brand can be helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think okay. that's right. Um, oh, go. Uh, sounds like I'm slagging off the Baptists in Victoria, but I'm not. I would be one of them if not for this FIEC thing. So Great. Okay. Um, one of the one of the things about Geneva uh, assessment, you've heard about that. Uh, very helpful. Um, after you join the team, which is a metaphor we seem to be running with at the moment, uh, there's obviously coaching, which is part of what it means to be um, on board. Uh, we're going to take a moment to watch a video of a coaching session, um, which has been recorded. Um, and after that, I'm going to ask you guys a little bit about um, coaching, and then I'm going to go to you guys on the floor for some questions. So if you can um, pull that together, are we right to go with the AV? Thanks, guys. You've just been coached by Kyle Marshall. Uh, it's good to see that, and it's good to uh, good to think through, um, I guess, what shape your uh, coaching sessions take, and I guess to make sure that they're intentional rather than just uh, a good chance to have a chat and, you know, chew the fat. Uh, love to hear from you guys. So we're going to take some questions uh, from the floor. So on this half, uh, if you've got a hand up, and I'll put a microphone this way, and, uh, oh, we've got another mic. Brilliant. Um, so if you put your hands up, uh, we'd love to hear your questions and, uh, and take them now. So go for it. If you can tell us your name and where you are, that would be really helpful, and then ask your question. All right. I'm Chris. I'm in the fourth row. Um, <laughs> in the heavenly realms as well. Is that right? In the realms. Amen. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm from Christchurch, New Zealand. Um, just a question I guess sort of a bit raised from the video. Um, in terms of the, the roles... Um, the question for the panel is, uh, how formal have you made the roles of various players in your core group um, at the start of your launch? And then um, sort of a second question to that, uh, probably more for um, Toby, I think, because he's a year into it, um, how those roles transitioned over time. Sure. So what roles have you given formally to people in the team? And then how? Yep. Okay. Uh, as part of your course. So can you speak to that? We we weren't very good at this, mainly because um, prior to church planning, I hadn't, uh, um, I hadn't really led that many teams before. So I was, uh, I was an amateur at kind of leading teams, starting teams, raising up leaders, etc. And I wish, uh, I watched kind of Dan Godden this year. He started with M Structure and got volunteers to head up M Structure's and uh, some of them have felt, uh, I what, think... What's it? Does everyone know what this M structure no, thing is? Uh, I mean, I've heard it because I was here last yeah, year, yeah. but okay. that's the last time I heard about it. We've got a session on it tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Stay um, tuned then. Yeah, stay tuned, then. exactly. Yeah. We keep going with it's M structures. to be revealed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which has uh, been made known before and will be made known again. Yep, so, so Dan had a really clear kind of job descriptions for at least five... Um, 
guys and girls at that church, and I think that was really good. We slowly built built there, and we finally, um, really after kind of 18 months, kind of just formalizing roles and stuff. I mean, it, for, because I was inexperienced in doing it, I was making it up as I went. Um, some people That's a really, large part of church planning, by the way, yeah. Toby. Uh, some people stood up really quickly and it was just obvious that that was the role they were going to do. And then there are other areas like mission. I wanted someone desperately to look after that area, but no one would stand up to do it. And so it just kind of fell to me. And um, and so we found that quite difficult. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, mate. Um, Tim, do you, you got anything to add there in terms of formalizing that? Can you be responsible for? Yeah. Um, uh, job description is really helpful. You're just clear, um, both of you are clear about what the person's going to do. Uh, you, um, start off with, I was doing everything. With hey. s- oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Belinda um, was doing everything. <laughs> the two uh, will become one, and so you share are. that together. Is that right? Um, uh, th- uh, with that, was, that was partially deliberate, that we wanted to focus at the start with training yep. and didn't want to wear our team out. We wear ourselves out instead. But, um, yeah. but at least I'm paid to be worn out in the ministry. Um, yeah, so we're about to launch our, our kind of team's model. So hopefully that goes well. But, yeah, not that much. We, we weren't particularly formal. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm working with Matt. And Matt, uh, I, I prayed for Matt to come and join me before we started. And, and Matt is an answer to prayer. And we spent quite a lot of time uh, before we started doing pretty much anything else, just working out how we'd work together and how we'd divide things up on the basis that we wouldn't then be treading on each other's toes and going, is this your thing, my thing, I thought. And so, we, yeah, we really quite invested uh, a bit of time in that up front. Um, so we're probably a little bit unique in doing that. But that was, that was really helpful. Um, can we take another question? I'll, I'll get. I'll, you will get a chance to say something. Can I, mate, can I just? Uh, it's really important, though. Uh, I think uh, the quicker, the sooner you work that out, the, the sooner you rise, raise up leaders to be doing the work of ministry. The the quicker your church will gain traction, and um, uh, it's really important. I think we need to think clearer. Coaching needs to be more targeted in that area. Tim, that's really helpful. Yeah. Uh, Tim, presently ministering in Lavender Bay in Sydney, had a question. A lot of you guys talked about um, personal conviction, so from conception to reality in that regard, but we didn't quite get to the actual, now we do want to plant a church. Some of you talked about um, communicating with denominations, but we didn't quite get to, this is the five steps it took for us to actually pull together our core team, launch our first meeting, and now here's where we are today. Can you unpack that somehow along the line? So whether it's constitutions, whether all those sorts of things that kind of come in between where you decided to do it and how it actually happened. Yeah, brilliant. There's, um, <laughs> we're not going to do that for you, Tim, but, but uh, because there's just too much to talk about. It's like, probably not five steps, I think, is what he's trying yeah, to say. Yeah, that's a problem. But I, I really think you just got to start with church. Gather people around the word. Praise Jesus. Talk about who we're going to go out and be on mission to serve one another in love. Spend a lot of time with each other. And I think that's where, that's where you start. Everything else comes later. And if you can't do that and people don't love that and aren't excited to go and do that when you're doing that and aren't kind of texting 
Facebooking, tweeting each other during the week, excited about the next time you're going to get together, talking about the the non-Christian friends in your life, and they're kind of itching to bring people along because they love it that much. If you can't get to that point, you probably shouldn't go on. So I think that's really the first step. You just want to gather people around the Word uh, in your home, do practice hospitality with them, uh, and then make it just awesome that they'd want to bring people along to it i think yeah i want to say that's awesome and very encouraging also don't want to have a philip jensen moment if that hasn't happened for you yet uh it might not mean don't plant church plant but i totally agree um build that uh eagerness and that expectation totally so for sure aaron i think the path from kind of conviction conception to reality is different uh based around a whole lot of different factors so even like you know talking about models of church planting like you know Tim and Belinda come down with seven people. Uh, I'm coming from an existing church who's willing to give me 15 or 20 people. So that's quite a different dynamic. So yep. we start with a group of 15 people uh, meeting as a kind of gospel community, as we called it, kind of doing what Toby's talking about. Yep. Um, but, you know, and others are kind of supremely gifted evangelists. They just want to parachute in to a particular area, go around, do door knocking, and people just become Christians. And, you know, like, I mean... It's pretty rare that that happens. But um, but there are different models to go from conception to reality. Partly it's understanding your own gifting. Partly it's the circumstances that you're in. Uh, if you want to work with a denomination, then maybe there are churches. Or if you're going with an independent denomination, then maybe there are churches that are able to partner with you. So a friend of mine is planning a church in St Kilda, uh, but he's partnered with another church in the area who support. And so I mean, there's a lot of factors that influence that, that trajectory. Um, but the key thing is, if you want to plan a church, I think there's a, like, we're not supermen, uh, we're not lone rangers. There's the book, Darren Patrick, the, the church planter, um, helpful in many ways, but the front cover is completely ridiculous. Uh, like, the one lone warrior with the scythe in the harvest field. Um, I think... It, I'm sorry, I've con- missed that. That sounds... All right, like- so no, look, look up the book, The Church Planter. It's actually quite a helpful introduction, but the message it sends on the front cover is that uh, you've got to you've got to be Superman and be able to do kind of everything by yourself. Whereas actually uh, the the key steps I think are recruiting the team and training the team. Uh, if you can't kind of recruit a team to get on board with the church and you're not training them in what it means to kind of be involved in the church to make disciples of Jesus to share the gospel, um, you're going to struggle to get a sustainable church going. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I'm going to push back on what you said just Go a little bit it, earlier, Stu. A little bit of I, I actually very I do think that is a critical uh, thing. Sure. If you can't do that, sure. you are, if no one has ever been excited by your ministry to them and you don't naturally gather people, then I'd, you know, I think that is a really clear yeah, plan. I, I want to agree yeah. with that and that you'll be, yeah, you'll be hoeing a hard road if that's never happened for you before. So no track record. The interesting thing, though, I'm going to guess is that your Geneva assessment which you should have as one of those steps in the process, um, your Geneva assessment will bring that to light, I would think. Yeah. And without a track record, um, it would be less likely, not impossible, I think it would be less likely that you'd it's be... It's a- interesting as well. I think, I think for us, one of the real... Because it was tricky for us because we were living in Sydney and then moved back down and we were, so we were kind of recruiting from afar, which made it really difficult. But in our existing church, heaps of people wanted, believed in Tim and financially supported. And so I think that... That for me was a real encouragement to go, well, if the people that we're currently ministering to believe in this enough to give 
stacks of money to it, then, um, yeah, then that says something about Tim's ministry stacks and how he's money, already, Tim. well, you know. Yeah. I might, I might, I um, might kind of chip let's, into let's Tim's just, uh, Let's just push that very big elephant in the room right out into the centre. Um, in terms of how do we move from thinking about church planning to making it happen, um, we want to have some personal conviction. I think that's good. Um, we certainly want to have some people who say, we think it's good that you're doing it. Um, grab a group of people who think we're glad that you're doing it and we'd like to support you because we believe in what God's on about in the world. That's another good step. Um, having some money to make it actually happen, somehow that's got to be part of the process. And if there's none, but all those other things are there, maybe it's possible, but it is, it's going to be a part of your world, isn't it, guys? Money is going to be part of your world, whether you're under denomination or not. At some point, that's going to come and find you. Um, so uh, I guess let's talk about money just for a bit. How have you have you found money has been a part of that process from conception to reality for you guys? I think you need to work out whether to plant a church and where God would have you plant it, and then the money will follow. If you're the right person for the right place, God will put the money uh, there for you to do it. And if yeah, so, so if I have no money. That's my. I don't. I don't know about that, but I. I, I mean, God's come through with us uh, yep. incredibly. He's faithful, isn't he? He's incredibly faithful, and and most of the guys I meet that are planting, it's hard to raise, but uh, God, God, God finds it for you. And so I think if you're the right person to plant, it, it'll always come. So I mean, my encouragement to you is don't. That's the least thing you should worry about because sure. God will um, provide it. Doesn't mean you don't have to do a lot to get it, to find it, but, yeah. Um, yeah. It's the least thing you worried about, wasn't it, love? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty scary. It was tricky for us because um, because we weren't, um, and this links in a little bit with Tim's question, because when you're planting independently, um, you have to set up a lot of stuff yourself. So, you know, it was crazy. Like, Tim was, Tim was studying fourth year of college and probably spending a day a week reading up on tax laws and all kinds of things, uh, trying to work out exactly how things happened. And um, we find, you know, and we had to get everything sorted in terms of getting bank accounts. And it was getting really late in the year when we finally got everything ready to fundraise. And so I was a bit panicky about where the money was going to come from. And, I mean, we decided anyway that this was what we were going to do. And if Tim had to work part-time or if I had to get a job or whatever it was um, that we'd manage. But, yeah, God was really faithful a stressful time but it's a wonderful confirmation from other christians who know you and from god if they're willing to financially back it Absolutely. with their wallets well as everyone will tell you you're great and you, you're doing a great job but are they, <laughs> do they really believe that um yeah so the lord's blessed us and money hasn't been something we've worried about had to i've just created our budget for next year and that's been approved by our committee and uh, our external support is scaling back, so it may be an issue that, that comes in the future, but it, it hasn't been, which has been wonderful. Uh, one of the great things about Geneva is uh, they can make some introductions for you uh, to people who sure. have financial resources and who want to back church planting. Brilliant. Uh, that is a great thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Aaron? Well, uh, Tim's alluded to it. Um, like, the fortunate thing is, is not only individual Christians can see uh, uh, kind of gifted ministers and want to give money, but actually whole denominations can, and that's no less godly, I think. Yeah. So, um, so I think like it's a good thing. It's a good thing when I say den- amen to that. Mate. Yeah, it's a good thing when denominations go. We want to plant churches. 
and we want to identify church planners and put money into it. And so the Prezi Church in Victoria has done that and is doing that with several churches around the state, which is great. And they've got a kind of plan for... So the sooner we can be self-sustaining financially, the better, um, in the sense that we can plant more churches. So, But they've made commitments to support, uh, to support me and our church to help us kind of get started. Uh, but I've worked for AFES for six years, so I'm kind of familiar with yep. raising your own support. And, and I think, like, I would say, I think there are a bunch of good theological convictions that you need to have uh, in your mind when you support raising. Like, when people come up to me in the street raising money for their cause, they clearly believe that it's a worthwhile cause to ask people for money for. They're thoroughly convinced, and so much so that they're prepared to stand on the street and ask a stranger for money. And I think we've, we've got to be thoroughly convinced that the cause that we're kind of, that the gospel is worth it, planning churches is worth it, and we need to be bold with asking people. So there's a bunch of theological convictions, I think, if you want to raise funds. That, um, so yes, I think God will provide, but if you don't have convictions in your mind, you'll, you'll probably get to places where you won't actually be doing what you need to do to ask the questions and initiate the conversations that you need to to raise funds. Yeah, yeah that's that's really good. Two things I'd like to say. Firstly, I'd like to say thanks to Sydney Anglicans who are helping support me. So that, um, they didn't it's give been... me any money. What Sorry. did they give you? <laughs> I can't answer that question for you, Toby. Um, but no, no, seriously, I'm very thankful for the support that we've received. Um, and uh, on top of that, I'd say having just done a fundraising night for Matt um, and also one for uh, for us. Um, I think you have to be convinced that, uh, and we experienced this, I said to Carolyn in the car on the way down, you know, we're about to ask our friends for money. Like that's, that's a crazy, serious thing to do at some level. But my conviction in my heart, which I want to share with you is, um, and the experience on that night fundraising is, they will be blessed by giving to the ministry that they believe in. And so we have people who joyfully gave money. It wasn't a scratching around, you know, head in your hands kind of thing. And I praise God for them, and I want to encourage you that if you, can, uh, if you can announce your vision with conviction and passion, if you can point to God's plan for the world, and people catch that, it won't just be grudgingly parting with their money. People will joyfully join you on the mission field financially. And um, I, I want to give thanks to God for that um, as, as my experience, and certainly with, uh, with Matt as well. Yeah. I reckon that's um, key. People give to, to people and re- to relationship and to vision for the most part. And if... if like, I mean, some people, like generous Christians who have foundations and just want to support gospel work, they might give to you if they don't really know you. But most people give to relationship and give to a vision that they they want to get on board with and support. So having clarity about that before you kind of make your pitch and seek fund, seek supporters is, is pretty key, I think. That's great. Hey, um, guys, I was going to go for a couple more questions, but what I want to do uh, just to bring it into land is just quickly, I've got two Two questions to finish up for our panellists, and then I'm going to pray for them. Uh, first question is, I asked these guys uh, via email, and uh, Belinda, you're included in this, um, via email, uh, what are some things, that, if you get a chance to speak, that you really want to say um, to this group of people? So I want to give you a chance to say those things just quickly. Um, and then I want to land on what part of God's word is sustaining you in this task of church planning right now? Okay? And then I'm going to pray for these guys. So if you've got more questions, you'll know who they are, and you can come and you know, hold them down and ask them. But I'd love to know, um, just quickly, a couple of things that you really want to make sure uh, that this group of people know, uh, given that you've sat here before as well. Can I go first? Is that I'd all love right? you too, Tim. Uh, I've got five tough things I've learned over the year. They're all very brief, though. Brace yourselves. Uh, 
Number one, there's no glamour in it. Um, I guess we've already said that. Mark Driscoll's cool. Church planning's cool. But there's nothing cool about having no money, no people, no building. There's nothing cool about rocking up to a primary school and having the secretary look at you like you're the stupid church. You want to run a church. It's not, there's nothing cool about that. It's just hard slog. Uh, number two, it's a really steep learning curve. I've, I've spent six years training to be a teacher of the word, to, to nurture people in the faith. Nobody taught me how to run a meeting or make superannuation contributions or to create an employment contract or to deal with disputes or to get insurance or to register for GST. That's a very steep learning curve. You can't stuff any of those things up either. Um, so that's, that's You can, hard. but it will be very messy. Yep. Um, that's hard. Number three, haters going to hate. You think people are going to cheer you on for planning a church, but there will always be the critics come out of the woodwork who don't like you or what you're doing or where you're doing it or when you're doing it or your website or whatever it is, and that they just drain you and you just got to block them out. And don't try and please them because you just end up running around in circles and they're never pleased. Uh, number four, uh, you need to learn to pray if you're going to be a church planter and desperation is a wonderful teacher. Amen. Uh, and lastly, I found the burden of leadership being the buck stops with me guy uh, to be extraordinary, uh, really tough. Uh, you feel like it's all on your shoulders. Uh, you've got to make everything happen. You've got to recognize the problems or what's not working and create the solution and implement it. And uh, like someone said to me just when we started, a guy from church said, we need more single people. And I heard, pastor... Go and find some single people. I'm looking around for single people to bring. It's just a hundred issues that you, you feel like the church is on your shoulders. So remembering that it's Jesus' church and he builds it Brilliant. is a wonderful passage that I've kind of realized. Because uh, I've tried to do stuff on my own and it's just flopped. And we have cried and said, how is this ever going to happen? And prayed and it's happened. And we, we now we say, how did that ever happen? But. So grace, grace of God. Lord, Thanks, mate. I'm really glad you said those things. Aaron? I think I, I, think I stole my own thunder earlier. But, um, That's going to be good I, for I, time, I think I remember though, David, I think it was David Jones said to me, uh, uh, he's a Presbyterian minister slash preacher, church planner in Tassie, if you don't know. And um, I, I think he was, we were having a chat, and he, and he said, um, be, just beware the Superman syndrome. And... Um, and I think, and Take I think Al Stewart's famous for saying, uh, you know, the job of Jesus is already taken. I seem to remember him saying that a few it's times. It's a great line. So, um, so I, I think that there's something about the type of person that kind of wants to plant a church and the kind of convictions and the drivenness that we have that even perhaps makes us more prone, prone to, to that. that. Yeah. So, um, and, and that relates to the second point, which I said before, which is actually just recruit a team. Because uh, even though you might think you can do everything, you can't. And other people actually bring a richness to the work and different gifts, and, and that's fantastic, and connect with different people. Yep. Um, Thanks, so mate. Those are probably the key things. It's really good. And your expression that you believe that the job of Jesus is taken is that you take a day off. Um, Toby. Uh, these guys said it all, really. So can I just go to my Bible passage? I'd love you to, mate. That would be yeah. really helpful. Well, mine is uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to 
give us a lot of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Uh, I mean, I guess my piece of advice would be just get really good at uh, preaching the glory of God in the face of Christ because it will change the lives of the Christians who are in your church and it will convert. It has more power than that word God spoke, let there be light. And if, wow, if his um, word could do, achieve that, it will bring uh, dead people alive. So just get really good at you know, preaching the glory of God in the face of Christ. Awesome, yeah. man. That's fantastic. Thanks. Thanks, Toby. Um, Blinda, did you want to share anything in that category? Um, so the question was, what are things... Just a thing that you yeah, really want to say. Yeah, um, there are just so many people out there who don't know Jesus and it is worth suffering and learning about superannuation and working your butt off. Um, I've just been to uh, the national training event. I came straight from there to here and um, we were getting preaching on uh, the last days and uh, last night I heard a ripper talk on hell from um, uh, William Taylor and um, yeah, we can do all kinds of things with our life. But um, when there are people going to hell, let's just preach the gospel and church planning is a great way to do it. So, yeah. I'm so tempted to finish. Can I say that, Thank you. That's great. Uh, yeah, go. If my wife was here, I think so one of the things that happened for us was that um, I kind of ran ahead. It sounds a little bit like Tim and Belinda. I, I kind of ran ahead and kind of perhaps made assumptions that she was on board and as excited as I was. And then everything kind of came to a screaming heap and... She kind of started crying a bit more often. You know, I had a similar experience. And, um, yeah, yeah. So I guess what I would say, if you're here, uh, like bring your wife with you on the journey. Like just check, you know, love your wife. Check in with her. See how she's going. Serve her. Listen to her. Ask how she's finding the process as, yeah. as you go through. And, and just don't make assumptions. I think that's what Gabby would say if she was here and something that I had to learn perhaps the hard way. Yeah, uh, That's really great and really worth listening to. Um, do either of you guys have a bit of Bible or Belinda to finish up with? Something that you're hanging on to? Uh, mine's pretty similar to Toby's. Uh, we've, as a core team, we've been reading through Acts and just really encouraged that uh, as closer uh, as to our kind of public launch gets, I'm more conscious of my inadequacies and weaknesses. But I think as Andrew was saying earlier, uh, God has given us what we need, isn't it? The, the, the kind of power of the gospel and the power of the spirit. And, we, and as we've looked through Acts, that's been a great encouragement. Uh, interestingly, uh, yes, if we preach that, it brings resurrection life, kind of Ezekiel 37, that kind of deal. Uh, but also, seemingly, as that's preached, it blinds some and is a, is a word of judgment to them. And so I guess... Um, don't, you know, don't be discouraged if, if it's not kind of resurrection, repentance and faith all over the place because certainly the model of the prophets and Jesus and Paul, as I've been thinking about it, is there's actually a blinding effect to the word of God as well, um, which you know, can happen. And you may just be in a blinding season. Uh, yeah. Thanks, mate. Everyone, thanks, uh, thanks so much. Can you thank our panel? Uh, that would be great.